Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Secret Invasion. I'm Alex. It's becoming less of a secret. I'm Justin. And we are going to be talking about the second episode of the series, Promises. So if you haven't watched it, spoilers after this point. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the big things. But I want to talk about one bigger thing first. Now, often the first episode, we spent a lot of time talking about the death of Maria Hill, whether they're refriging her. First of all, in this episode, I think, yes, they, they I were. I think she did. Yeah, I think she did. I also, obviously, she can come back and we could talk about that a little bit. But I was very surprised because the bigger reaction was to the credits to the show, which were confirmed to be AI generated, uh, and people lost their minds. Yeah. Just lost them. Uh, Now that you know that they are AI generated, what are your thoughts on them? And what are your thoughts on the whole conversation that has happened around the credits over the past week or so? I mean, it's it was I think it's a big mistake, a big Marvel mistake for multiple reasons. Just like, why do that? And I think they were sort of making the case like, well, it's a metaphor for scrolls. And I was like, no, I don't think so. That doesn't (laughs) quite hold. Mm -hmm. And like they could have easily there's a million ways they could have gone with this. And I, I'm curious what the actual decision was. Was it just a bad creative choice or more likely was it like, um, we haven't done the credits yet. What should we do? Let's just AI generate it. Someone on the staff was like, Oh, th- this is cool. And then they didn't realize uh, mm-hmm. that it's actually not cool, especially with the writer strike happening. AI is a huge part of that to have this come out at peak volatility about uh, AI generated art. I feel like it was just a misstep. And, you know, they could have easily made a different creative choice that would have been way better. Totally agree. I mean, AI is theft is essentially what it is. Like, it's using other people's art to generate your art. I have to assume since it's Disney, probably they cleared whatever art they were generating this off of. But if they didn't, that's an even bigger mistake, potentially. But like you're saying, it's a very volatile subject. They should have thought about this a little bit more. And I think, frankly... I'm going to say something very negative up front here, though generally I think I like this episode better than the first episode. Yeah. There's not a, enough thought going into a lot of aspects of that sh- this show right now, which is frustrating for me. Uh, something that we've talked a little bit about on our Patreon Slack is a lot of the show, there could be spurs. And like they could pull the rug out in the last episode and be like, everything you thought was stupid, this is why it happened, you're wrong, Nick Fury has been in front of everything the entire time, because that's how the spy genre works, and that's fine, and that 100% could happen. But I think that extends to the Maria Hill thing, where... In this episode, there, and I could not believe I was watching the scene at Maria Hill's funeral. Her mom is like, You were the one that got her killed, right? 
well, you make it worth it, Nick Fury. You go out yeah. there and you, and I was like, what, what is, this is a scene that should not have existed past 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Like there's no reason to do that scene. That is straight up the definition of fridging on yeah. TV tropes or whatever page you want to go to. It was a real bummer. Well, and like that, even beyond that, I was just like, this scene is no person would say that to, to <laughs> at their daughter's funeral. I was like, this scene is just like, it's so written. It's so like, let's make sure the plot moves forward with a complete misunderstanding of what uh, the characters or humans or scrolls or a person and, and with a soul would do. So like, it, it's just like a misstep in a lot of ways. It also extends to, and I do want to mention one of the things that I really liked about the episode in a second, just to counterbalance all this so it doesn't feel too complaining, but I, it also extends to like how they're treating the scroll rebellion here, which feels inconsistent based on how much they can spend on the special effects more than anything mm-hmm. else, which I understand that is a constraint, but things like you get that scene where Gravik goes to the scroll council which is a bunch of world leaders and a newscaster and some other folks are there. And his whole thing to them is like, we got to be our authentic scroll selves. We got to go out there. We got to show everybody that we're scrolls. We got to stop living and hiding. Or alternately we see new scrollos, same sort of thing. They're like, this is a place where everybody can be their authentic selves. But the large majority of scrolls in new scrolls are not, looking like scrolls they're looking like humans or when he goes to the scroll council same thing he's not being himself as a scroll he's still being himself as a human and it's it's mixing up and confusing the metaphor they're going for i I know we disagreed about this a little uh, the last episode i like the essential idea here of we have lived in hiding we are a population of as we find out this episode a million scrolls possibly living crazy here. Crazy reveal also. Crazy reveal. But that really points to this whole refugee status, being a state without an actual homeland that ties into a lot of different countries and issues. I mean, my mind certainly goes to Israel and Palestine because right. I'm Jewish and a lot of conversation in my entire life has happened around that. But there's a lot of other states and places that have dealt with this sort of thing. So that is a powerful, fruitful place to put a metaphor, but they're being nonspecific about it is the thing that's frustrating me so far. Well, and my issue with it, uh, because I agree, that's definitely what's at play here, but I don't think the show can handle it. The the show, like you're saying, the show isn't doing a good job of proving like we can handle these larger ideas. That's why I was saying like it would be better for me if this show was sort of purely focused on the like invasion of the body snatchers type Mm storyline where it's like, wait, the paranoia, who is who, how is this mixed up? And instead it's going into these larger ideas where the scale has to be so much bigger with like million scrolls, refugee camps, new society. You promised us this and then you were blipped. And so we don't have it. It's not really Nick Fury's fault that he was blipped, but in that time they sort of became like uh, upset or you could say radicalized that like we are owed this and it's not happening. Now we're in this place. It's just so much more complex and complicated. And the show doesn't have the seem so far anyway, the creative engine to drive through that in a, in a good narrative. 
Yeah. Let's talk about some positive things, though. I will throw out there, as with the first episode, my absolute favorite thing about the show so far is Olivia Coleman. Her whole scene torturing the skull, scrawl, excuse me, asking at the beginning, like, real quick, where's the escape route? No particular reason. And then, of course, you know, she's going to use that by the end. She's the only one doing Nick Fury stuff on the Nick Fury show at this point. And whenever she is on screen, there's just this, I don't know if you felt this too, but I feel like there's this pop of energy that comes out of the show where everything is zippier, it's more fun, it's trickier, exactly what you want from a spy show, and everything slows down like 10 to 15% every other time when she's not on screen. Yeah, and she's also just a great villain. She's like bad. She's getting into like some like race stuff and like xenophobia here and just like being a mind, a horrifying mm-hmm. torture scene. Like she is committing to the the villain here. So in it, not to say I like what she's saying, but she's just like, you need a big. Know. She has some interesting ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <I think. laughs> she has some, you've been anti-scroll for a long time. Yeah. She has like these huge uh, ideas and she's the character that is definitely the gravitational center of the show. Well, and I I do think the idea here that we talked about in the last episode is that Nick Fury, like everybody told him a million times in episode one, is off his game. So he is not quite ultimate Nick Fury. No pun intended, I guess. I don't know, or reference intended. I mean, well, I think that's sort of the right reference. He is ultimate Nick Fury. Yes. In the comic books. Yeah, exactly. But he's like, he's not at the peak of his powers. Olivia Coleman absolutely is. So she's able to do all the spy stuff while he can't. But we want to see him do that. You know, we want to like in the Wolverine Old Bad Logan terms, we want to see him pop his claws. But there's a tension there in terms of Wolverine being like, I suffered this tragedy and I'm never going to use my claws again. And you're like, you're going to use your claws again. We're going to see it happen. Come on, come on, come on, do it. And because it's this violence that comes out with Nick Fury being like, oopsie daisy, I'm a bad spy. <laughs> That's not as much fun to watch. The tension is not there. It's it's frustration because you, the viewer, are ahead of it. Well, yes. And also, like, we have Gravik, who's a bad guy. Coleman, who is a bad guy on opposite sides here. So that leaves Nick Fury being like, guys, guys, calm down. And, like, that's not uh, an action you want your hero doing. Like, guys, guys, mm-hmm. let's not do it exciting scary things let's just chill and it's like you he needs to be and i we should talk about sort of where we end here because i feel like something bad's going to happen to his stabilized life that Mm -hmm. will push him into becoming an even more intense force to fight these larger forces as opposed to just trying to sort of uh chill them out so, well, well, let's talk about that ending because I, like you're saying, I do think this ties into a lot of the issues of structure the show is happening. By the way, doesn't have an issue of performance. Everybody is still very good performers and they're yeah. doing their best with the material they're given, but it does feel like the directing is a little limp is the way that I describe it. Like a lot there's, of the- There's so much- Sorry to interrupt you, but there's just so much, I agree with you. There's just so much going on and there's so many Mm. people, there's like so many bodies. So a lot of the the filming ends up being just like a bunch of people. Mm. And so you don't have a a lot of opportunity to really like move the camera. I mean, you could, but it's just, that hasn't been taken here to move the camera in interesting ways to like follow someone. It's just like a lot of like bigger scenes of people being like, oh, here's what I think. Here's what I think. And so it ends up being just like that. 
I think that plays out, and I really will get to the ending in a second, but I think that plays out in the roadie fury conversation in the restaurant. Don Cheadle, great actor. Samuel Jackson, yeah. great actor. It's just shot, reverse shot the entire time. Like, that's yeah. it in terms of the conversation. There's nothing interesting going on in terms of the camera work. The dialogue is also fine in terms of their back and forth, but it's the sort of thing that really could be helped with, I don't know, like a more born shooting style or Soderbergh mm-hmm. or something like that. Instead of it just feels like, well, we've got about an hour to use this restaurant. You guys say your lines. We got these two cameras set up. Let's go. And that's really all that I got from there. And it's frustrating because I want more out of it. I want to feel the tension of this roadie in a mode that we have never seen him before being the attack dog for the president, firing Nick Fury, I should feel something watching that scene, caring about these characters. And and I don't quite. And I, again, I chalk that up to the way that they're shooting the show. I do chalk that up to the dialogue a little bit, not quite hitting as hard as it could. Um, But to get back to the last scene. So we get this reveal that Nick Fury is, uh, is married to a scroll. Like he, his wife is a scroll this again has that inconsistent thing of like she's a scroll and then she turns back to human when he comes in. He knows she's a scroll because she's in the first scene in, I believe, in the episode. So it isn't like she's hiding it from him or anything like that. Um, but it does feel like, let's throw a theory out at you. I feel like the show was written for the twists, which is not necessarily the way you should be writing a TV show. Like they're aiming for. Okay, we got these six big moments that are going to happen at the end of our episodes. Let's structure mm. towards those. Instead, yeah. you need to think about what you're saying about the character and what you're doing and then leave people on the cliffhanger. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And like I like this as a as a moment, as like a a maybe the the reason someone's going to tell him, you're not too old to do this job. You've always been old you're you're soft because you're settled into this life and you need to be out there doing the work and that's that's a a bigger indictment i think of him and like something that puts him in a tough spot as a character which i think is good for nick fury and hopefully we can in the next episode actually get inside his head and sort of deal with these things putting Mm -hmm. him at the center of the show which i think we just haven't seen yet Well, let me throw out a little bit of theory to you in that. So first, after we get the trailer for Captain Marvel, very weird thing to do at the beginning of the second episode, the we kick into the timeline directly after that, when Nick Fury promises that he's going to help the Skrulls find a new home planet. That is going to be his main goal. Obviously, that is his original sin. He and Talos don't do it, which kicks off the action here. But that I believe the Skrull that he is married to at the end is comforting Gravik when young Gravik, when Gravik gets introduced. So it's entirely possible. Part of the information we haven't been told yet is Gravik was essentially Nick Fury's son, like raised by this woman and by him. And that's where all this anger is coming to. I think they're saving that for a reveal in episode three or four when that feels like the sort of information if you put up front it makes the whole thing more powerful. Like you understand why this is happening and why this means so much to these characters rather than slowly unfurling it. Yeah, I I agree with you because then then we're, then Gravik has meaning from the jump as opposed to just this guy seems like a bad guy. I don't know what the deal is. Mm-hmm. He seems mad. If we know why he's mad at first, it just gives him. Then it's like people 
crashing into each other as opposed to ideas that we don't understand and then finally it's revealed later. And I, I think that's just the problem with a lot of television shows and specifically Marvel television shows where it's a little coy with information and doesn't trust that we don't need, you know, to be continued. We just need great, mm-hmm. interesting storytelling from the beginning. Well, let me throw something else out at you. This ties into the big plot slash Easter eggy section of the episode. So we find out that Gravik has been building this machine beyond his brain copying machine where he is doing something with it. We're not, we're not told exactly what it is, but Amelia Clark looks into it and we get to see a bunch of Easter eggs of things that have been sort of like detritus from villains left throughout the Marvel universe um, and, and heroes because they mentioned Groot in there. They mentioned mm. Cull Obsidian, I think. Cull Obsidian. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they also mentioned extremists Demis. and there's like a frost giant or something like that. But whatever it is, I think my guess is, that they are harvesting these different things and have figured out a way to give scrolls those abilities. This is specifically based on there's a shot of the trailer of Gravik doing something with his arm that people are like, oh, he has super scroll powers. Maybe, but I think the way that they're doing it is he actually has Groot powers because if you look at it, it looks like his arm is Groot's arm, the way that Groot extends his arm. So I think scrolls are shape changers. They're going to use these things that were left over in the Marvel Universe. And I do think if that's the direction they're going in, again, a strong use of the theme of these are the people that have been left behind, these scrolls from the Marvel Universe. Nick Fury hasn't picked them up. All these other things. Oops, you forgot about Call Obsidian's arm from Avengers Infinity War. Should have done something about that, guys, instead of leaving that around and all this stuff is going to come back to haunt them. I I like that idea potentially. Um, But I don't know, same sort of thing like we've been talking about. I wonder if it would have been stronger rather than building up to like, and here's our big costume reveal. Here's our big villain reveal, like they do in a lot of these Marvel shows, if they started there. If instead you had like, instead of these random explosions, you had, oh my God, there's super scrawl attacks happening all over the place. Where did they get these powers? What is going on here? Why are they doing this? And then Nick Fury has to piece all of that together in my mind, not to write it, but that's a stronger show. Or even something that I think Marvel likes to do with a lot of the things is start with someone getting that arm or start with like piecing together the, the detritus and yeah. them being like, this is all we have. What can we do? We're out of ideas, the scrolls. So like then you, then you're at least setting the stage for this at the beginning and, and giving us that tease of like, you're going to see some cool superpowered mm-hmm. shit later. Uh, well, and presumably this is very getting far afield and theorizing, but presumably it's a similar thing to Fury holding on to the Hydra weapons that we found out about in Avengers the movie. Avengers the movie. That's what oh, Avengers the right. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the title. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but he's probably point. doing the same sort of thing where he's been collecting all of these things and put them in a warehouse, Indiana Jones style, and mm-hmm. ignored them. And that ties into the whole thing of all of these are sins of Nick Fury's past revisiting him. But I don't know. There's a different. It just feels like they're not spooling out information at the right pace in the right way in the show. Yeah, and. 
that's something they could change. Like to mm-hmm. take totally. to be be positive. Like I think maybe the third episode is when it's like, all right, this is the one where we have enough on the table that we can just sort of start showing things, and then the action, the cliffhangers at the end of the episode can be about forward movement rather than a, re- a retroactive reveal. And hopefully that's what we're going to get to. But honestly, like we're talking about giving them these uh, scroll powers based on other aspects of the Marvel universe is a smart way to get around not having to bring back a ton of actors and have them be scrolls. So the scrolls, it's less about them taking identities and more about them just having powers that we recognize, which is cool. It's the less interesting version of a secret invasion show for me, mm-hmm. but I'm still here to ride with it. I, I agree with you on that. Like, I think to be clear, we are both rooting for the show. We wanted to yeah. like the show going in, haven't loved these first two episodes, but wanted to turn around and be fully on board if it does. But uh, I am missing beyond the Olivia Coleman scenes, which I've already said I loved. I think my favorite scene, the scene that I keep thinking about whenever I think about it, which isn't very often to be honest, but for the first episode, <laughs> the one of Fury walking through Moscow at night and being like, is that person a scroll? Is that person a scroll? Is that little yeah. girl with a ball a scroll? What's going on here? That had the most tension and the most interesting stuff to me. And I think this is what you've been saying. I just want to see more of that. I want to see more yeah. of like them freaking out whether a person is a scroll or not. And we're not, really getting that or if we do get that like the scene with the art dealer in the first episode you kind of know it in advance like you know like you've already been given the information of yeah that guy's a scroll so they just need to catch up with you yeah because it's sort of a misuse the scrolls the whole thing is there it's a seamless disguise they're in Mm -hmm. places and instead it's just being treated like any sort of alien race that's on earth where it's like well these people are mad let's Mm -hmm. deal with it any other notes you want to call out here? Any other thoughts or scenes from the episode? Uh, shouts to Shooter McGavin, who's um, in here uh, mm-hmm. offering the false flag information. I'm sure if Pete were here, he would be saying these words uh, <laughs> that are coming out of my mouth. And um, the finger getting cut off was cool, uh, mm-hmm. that moment in the torture scene. Uh, I like seeing Rhodey, a character that, you know, of all the characters from the early phases of the Marvel Universe, we get to see more of. I hope we get more better work uh, from him. He's a scroll, though, right? I mean, probably. Let's. Yeah. I feel like any celeb we get in the show, if they're not revealing them to be a scroll, then they've missed the opportunity. <laughs> right. But I, I think that's going to be like, Rhodey is so tough on Fury here. He also has the ear of the president. That to me is a very obvious, like, whoa, I'm in the scroll brain machine and I'd never do that to you, Nick Fury. I'm a hero that we get in episode four or five or something like that, which yeah. makes Fury's firing invalid. This is actually, this is true. I talked to some people in my company about this because there was a guy who got fired uh, and it turned out it was by a scroll and it didn't stick. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Always ask if you're being uh, walked out, uh, fired from your job, are you a scroll? Yeah, and they legally have to tell you. They have to say yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like the classic (laughs) cop rule that's also alive. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a short one, but I think that's probably pretty much all we have to say about this show at the current time. We've covered it. It's it's a little unfortunate. I like talking about these Marvel shows and I want to have more to say about it. 
there's just not that much to plumb into yet, unfortunately. And I think there will be. It, it is, yeah. you know, there's a lot of just table setting that has to happen because it's a lot of characters we haven't seen in a while. We have to be reminded of them. We have to introduce all of this scroll stuff that we don't know anything about. So certainly there are better, as we've criticized, there are better ways to do that, but hopefully they've done it. And in the third episode, we can really uh, get going from a story point of view. There you go. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel stuff, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Another great hack at work is to say that you were blipped if you didn't get your assignment. Oh, yeah. I've done that too many times. Yeah. (laughs) Short blip. It was like a uh, two-day blip. Oh, sorry. Sorry.